everyone, and welcome to Paranormal Roundtable. I'm your host, Josh Turner, and with me, as always, is... The one and only Mushu. Who yeah, else would be here? I don't have to... He just jumps right in every time. So. He's done that like four weeks he, in a he, row. He doesn't even let me... He just... Stay, he's, Mushu, he's blah, 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 go like, to. Nobody, nobody cares, Goku or Muchu, whatever you call yourself. Face of the show has to be Okay, Tony. Of- we call him Tony Baloney. That's, that tells you everything you need to know right there. And then with me is... I call myself Pinhead. Oh my gosh! You well, open the I mean, box always. You're a type of pinhead, that's for sure. <laughs> Maybe not the time, the kind you're talking about, but definitely a pinhead. You you remind me of like you if, call him pinhead. If pinhead <laughs> got put in jail and he's trying to make like a collect call to like you know to one of his friends on the phone, he's like, "Say your first name." He's like, uh, "Pin." <laughs> yeah. And the, like <laughs> collect call from pin. Yeah. <laughs> And he's like, I, you don't know who I am. My suffering will be legendary. They're like, please deposit the such and such. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's you, Tony. You would be that guy. There's no effect at all. None. Mm. Doesn't doesn't scare anybody. It's just Yeah, and if I'm in there, they got to pull out those spikes, so I'm just a bald guy now. Oh, gosh. Like, you can't have, so these, you can't have these weapons. <laughs> now you just have holes in your head. <laughs> oh man! You know, just holes in lines. When you when you go to jail, they take the weapons from you. He's got to go, homeboy. Sorry, those are my spikes from the devil. And like, okay, yeah, but in here they're considered contraband. So you have to confiscate these chains with the hooks on them on the end of them too. I'm not <laughs> not sure what you did with that, but not gonna You're be like doing the guy with the with claw it. fingers that came in all burned up to try to talk about you. Talk all trash you want, yeah. man. You're gonna get me in my nightmares or and whatever. Then, and then there was that really big guy with the rotten ho- hockey mask on his face. I don't know what his deal was with that thing. <laughs> But Tried yeah, to come in with a machete. We took the mask off, then we put it back on. It was a big mistake. He smells terrible. The worms, man. Anyways, guys, folks, we have a show tonight. Let me tell you, it's Paranormal Roundtable. Josh Turner, uh, it, what is it called? <laughs> oh, the email address my, is email Josh Turner at prtpodcast.com. And then we have patreon.com slash prtpodcast. Yes. Now, if you're not a Patreon member, let me tell you the reason you should be, because we give you cool stuff. So go join the $20, $30 tier, whatever you can give, and you'll get a swag bag at the $20 and $30 tier. Now, if you're already grandfathered in you've been a $10 tier for three months, you will get a swag bag. But $20 tier, you get what we call a swag bag. $30 tier gets you the super swag, which is like two books, a hoodie a sh- or a shirt, and possibly whatever else we have available at that time, a mug, uh, whatever. Yeah, I've already seen some messages from uh, our PRT troopers here about getting those super swag bags, and they seem pretty excited about it. You got you got to hit me up on Patreon. I'm checking that once a week, uh, and if you won something uh, from Friday's giveaway, then on the Wheel of Despair, or Wheel of Dreams, whatever y'all calling it now. The Breaking Wheel. The Breaking Wheel, I forget. Um, then you are eligible to win whatever the giveaway is that week. I think last week's or this past Friday, what was it we gave away? I don't remember. But anyway, it's not important. The point is, well, it is important, but the point is if your name was chosen, hit me up on on email. And that's the email right there, Josh Turner at PRTPodcast.com. And then, of course, we have the conference. We're not going to go long, drawn out, whatever. We're going to put the link up there to Eventbrite. Go to Eventbrite. It's under what? Second annual Dogman? It's under a sec, uh, Paranormal Roundtable's second annual Dogman Cryptid Conference. And I remember uh, after the show post, if you want to win something else and you don't want to, you know, you unfortunately can't pay for the Patreon, then we also do giveaways on our Facebook every time we drop it on uh, our group. 
if you comment on there and we like your comment, then we'll choose you and you also win something. So that's another way that, you know, you can get something out of it. And if you miss that, then every Friday we do a live stream where we do even more giveaways. I just said that. Oh, I, good gosh. <laughs> Golly, Penn. This is why those those losers put timestamps in the comments. This right is exactly here. why. So what we do is we're going to do, uh, we're going to put this, uh, the link to this on the YouTube because this is going to be a podcast, email on Spotify and all Apple and all that stuff. But we're going to put this on the YouTube version of it, the link onto the Paranormal Roundtable group. And even if you are a Patreon member, you might get chosen to win another book and say, hey, and even specify, look, I have this book already given to me. They're autographed books from one of many author friends of ours, Ken Gerhardt, David Weatherly, Nick Redfern, Chad Lewis, Barton Unley. It, it just, there's a bunch of them. So you could win a book. Just go up there and leave a comment and say, hey, I like the show or the show, you know, just just was awesome, whatever. If you leave a negative comment, probably not going to win anything. I'm just no. going to tell you that right now. So it might be funny, but you're not going to win anything. Um, but you will win possibly something if you leave a good comment. Or if, if you like the show, if not, then just hold your, you know, forever hold your peace. We don't, we don't want to hear it. Mm -hmm. I want to hear all this constructive criticism that we get. I just throw that right out, man. Can't you tell? Well, my parents gave it to me. It didn't stick. I construct that into a ball and throw and it away. Throw it in the trash. So anyways, that's, that being said, that's what we got going on. Go join the Facebook group. It's free to join. And there be one of the many thousands of people that put stories on there. <clears throat> if you have a crazy story to tell me, I'd love to hear it. And you know how to get a hold of me. And if you, once again, if you send a message, a, a friend request on Facebook through Messenger or Instagram, please let me know that you listen to the show. Otherwise, I'm not going to approve it. Josh Turner 940 on Instagram. That's how you can reach me on Instagram and then just look me up on Facebook and my ugly mugs all over the place. I also uh, started up an Instagram called PRT Mushu. If nobody nobody cares. You want to see more of the face of the show. Okay. Well, anyway, so here we have our guest, Matt. How you doing, Matt? I'm sorry you had to listen to all that rambling. We had to get it out of the way. but No, no. Thanks for having me. It's, it's uh, nice being here. Yeah. It's nice having you. And so we've talked uh, a few times now. We've been trying to, to coordinate it to get you to uh, do the interview, but you, you're recovering. Everybody say some prayers for Matt. He's been recovering from surgery. So how are you recovering from that? How's that going? You know, it's rough. I mean, I got a total knee. So, I mean, that was, it was a, a serious surgery, but I'm actually recovering uh a lot faster and better than I expected. They get you up first day after surgery, which that's the last thing you want to do when you have something like that done. But it's crazy how fast you start to catch up. And I'm, I'm up on crutches now and I never would have thought I'd been there this fast after, you know, being post-surgical by now, but, uh, it's, it's going well, but thank you. I appreciate it. So you, you were, a pro tennis player and then the, the knee surgery. So you're going to be back doing that again, right? As soon as you're done. No, 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 no. I, I played football and back in my younger <laughs> days when I was in high school and college and I was a lime offensive lineman. I tore the knees up real bad and I'm just, just getting them, uh, you know, refinished, so to speak. There was, there was nothing really left there after all that time, but. Just rub some it's dirt on it, walk it off. Yeah, walk it <laughs> off, Matt. Come on. Right, right I, I think, right. I think yeah. you're, you sound so strong spiritually that I believe that when you're done with this healing and stuff, I think you could run a marathon. I really do. I just, I hear it in your voice. Well, you can't, you know, if you don't have that attitude that you can run a marathon, then you'll never be able to. You'll never so as long it. as you just believe that you can do it. Then you got to go try, Matt. You got to try. You know, marathons are, are 
were never anything that I really cared for too much. I did what I had to do to get in shape with football and whatever they made us do, but I'll keep that to the skinny guys. Yeah. Well, that's me. me and you won't do that. We'll just run. We'll run to the steakhouse. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> that, that that's more my style. There you and go. we won't run far. We'll just get up. I'll pull, I'll pull right up on it and we can just run in there. So, okay, Matt, so let's get started here. Now, you, I have heard you tell this, but I wanted to talk to you. And I actually wanted to talk to you on the air, and I wanted to talk to you about this. I think you have a really good story. And I was actually talking with a couple of my colleagues about your story, and one of one of them was, was is Ken Gerhard, And we were just eating dinner the other day, and we your, your name it came up. We talked about it, and I said, man, I'm about to interview him. And so he was like, oh, he's got a good story. So he's heard it. He's heard you. I, I haven't heard it in its entirety because I got literally five minutes and 57 seconds per day free time. That's it. So I don't oh, have a lot. moved of, up? I didn't know you were getting all this time. Yeah, now. I know. It was 4.56 last week when I moved up. And my wife gave me an extra minute. Oh. So I'm happy for that. Minute and one second. But, uh, happy so, wife, happy life. Exactly. <laughs> so I, she's like, I will give you another minute. And that was like it. <clears throat> And of that minutes, I got to wash dishes. So, so here we are, and we're we're doing the interview now. Finally, tell us where you're from and where this, how old you were, and when, where this encounter happened. Give us the uh, the details here. Okay, so uh, I I uh, grew up in Youngstown, Ohio. My name's Matt Hemsch, and uh, when I was I, I was 14 years old, uh, this occurred. Um, right around 89, 90 that time. And, um, you know, it was the summer and I just got out of school. Uh, me and my friends, you know, back in those times, you know, we didn't have cell phones and, and, um, stuff like that right then. It's when the technology was like really new, the internet was really young and, you know, we went outside and we went places, we went all over town. Um, we went to the suburbs everywhere. I grew up in the city and, uh, where we like to go sometimes was we would go down to, uh, if you Google Youngstown, Ohio, old steel mills, for instance, you get a good picture view of, of what it looks like down there, how big the, the area is down there. And it's, you know, it's an old rundown, shut down, gigantic miles long uh facility big old facility there is a steel mill off to the side of that that is a working one that they use now but the bulk of it you know back in the in the strong steel making years for for america youngstown was known as being a you know a hub for steel and when the when the bottom fell out uh youngstown was one of those steel making towns that was hurt by that and um you know, so there, there were, there were times, uh, through the years that Youngstown struggled. And, you know, when I was that age, it was actually during the time when there was a lot of gang stuff going on across America, uh, bloods in the crypts, things like that. Youngstown was known for not good stuff either. We had like the highest per capita murder rate in the country. So it was like, they, they, oh, yeah, Youngstown, you're from Youngstown, Ohio. Oh, damn, man. That's, that's cold, man. There's some crazy stuff going on. And it did. And so, you know, we would always make sure we were armed when we we would go and do things because just crazy stuff happened in that city during that time. And uh, where we like to frequent was down, like I had mentioned, in those steel mills. Uh, 
and down there, you know, you, you could run into some homeless people or some, somebody doing some nefarious acts down there, either in a gang or whatever, but we'd bring guns down there more or less because there were packs of wild dogs that would run down there. There'd be like six or seven. If you know, you in cities, like I've seen videos, like they showed about Detroit and stuff. You get an idea online of, you get these dogs, they run in packs. They kind of help each other live and stuff. They're not the Fido, come here, let me pet you kind no. of dog. They'll, they'll attack you. They they put people down before. So you stay away from them. We bring guns down there in case we ever ran into them. We never really did or needed to shoot at them or anything. So we were glad about that. But we at least felt that we had some protection down there. And, um, the, the day of, of the experience that happened with me, it was, like I said, it was the summer. It was in June. It was, it was real hot. Um, we had made this one, uh, old steel mill kind of, uh, making, I don't know what they did in the place in the building we were in, but we had kind of made it our kind of quote unquote official like home base where we hung out the most when we go down there. And we liked it because there were no stairs up to it. So you kind of had to hop up onto like this, this concrete opening and roll yourself in. And we liked that because those dogs were down there. We didn't want to one day be in there. And, you know, these bunch of dogs run up the stairs into the building we were in. So we liked that. And then what we also liked about it was it was four floors high in the middle of the room. You could look up to the fourth floor. So, we like to burn fires in the middle of the concrete floor and there was nothing to stop it. You had four floors wide open. We, we wouldn't burn anything. It was a concrete building. But what was there was on each side of the building, it had like an open wall. So for whatever reason, it, we lucked out that in this building, they stored these. I don't know what they were made for. They were kind of like these U-shaped pieces of metal. They're like maybe four feet high real heavy we'd take two of us to like you know make a a long wall of them in these openings in the building and then we'd stack them on top of each other as high as we could get them we kind of had like a makeshift wall so we had privacy inside of that building we kept prying eyes out and when we had fires usually at night there were people that worked the railroad at the working steel mill that there was a railroad track that actually went in the front of the building, past the building, we would always be in, literally feet from in there. And they would use this railroad track to ferry material in and out. And if somebody was driving by the building and we have a big bonfire going in the middle, they're going to call the police or something. So that was another reason we liked that we got to build these walls to kind of, again, keep prying eyes out, keep the light in as much as we could do it. And uh, the night that something happened, we were in there and we had a really big fire going. I remember that specifically. We hear this pack of dogs outside and they're coming up to the building that we're in. So we were wondering what was going on. They sounded like they were on a mission. We walked outside on the top of this concrete berm. Again, they can't get up to us. So even if they stopped where we were, they couldn't get us. We're looking at them. There's about six of them in a pack. They run by us. They don't even, don't even give us any thought. And like I had said, in front of the building was a, a, a like a little space, then the railroad track, and then just beyond that railroad track, they'd always have these 
huge piles of, of smelting material, like they call it coke in the steel mill industry. I don't know exactly what they do with it, but it's a material they use to smelt steel. And they had giant mounds of these things outside of these buildings, and they would take from what they need. And the dogs kind of ran just beyond where we were standing and then up over this mound of this material and then down to the other side. And again, they were running like they were on a mission. As soon as we lost sight of them, within seconds, we could hear them all start to, we thought, fight with each other. It's not like they were attacking each other or attacking something on the other side of this mound. We couldn't quite see what they were doing, but we could hear it. And it was, it was, you know, it was mass hysteria. You, you hear six dogs. It sounds like all of a sudden they, they went postal and are, they're fighting each other. We start to pick up, though, after a few seconds that they're not fighting each other. They're, they're joined in attacking something else. And you could hear this, this other animal above even the six dogs real loud attacking back, obviously. Um, but much deeper, much louder, obviously a bigger animal. And within a couple of seconds, what starts happening to our shock is we see a couple dogs not come up over the mound and run over. They are, are literally in air coming over the top of the mound. One, two hit the ground, one rolls, they get up, they, a couple of them, I uh, remember four of them, this happened to within like three seconds couple got up uh, limping, running away. A couple had obvious injuries. One had like this, this uh, really bad injury actually on its back and over its shoulder. It like, it looked like the skin was kind of flayed open. It was bleeding really bad and it ran away. And then the other two that were left all of a sudden, they, they come tearing over the hill and over. And during this time you're hearing yelping, you're hearing the dogs starting to obviously, be injured and, 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 uh, getting hurt in whatever they were fighting with. And then they took off and they, they went back the way they came. Like we said, some with obvious injuries, leaving a trail of blood. You know, I don't know if that dog died or not. It was kind of sad, but you know, what, what were we going to do? We were just shocked what just occurred. And then at that moment, as we're watching them run away, one of my friends says, what is that? Look, what's that? We all kind of look at the same time just in front of our building, but a little diagonal from it. Coming up at the top of this mound of this material is this absolutely gigantic animal that immediately gives us the the impression that it is dog or wolf-like in, in its nature and the way it's shaped and the way it looks, but What's immediately immediately noticed uh, uh, different about this is the sheer size that it, at which this animal like crawls up at the top of this mound. It was so large that I always will, will talk about this, and I've always said this. Um, it, it didn't seem real. It was so big. It, it was like you've got to be kidding me. What the hell is this that we're looking at? And and I liken the size to. Um, you know, much bigger than black. I've seen black bears. I know there's some big ones. I've never seen a giant one, but I've seen a pretty nice size considered black bear. 
and they get decent size. They're small compared to like grizzly and polar bear. And and that's what I like in the size of this animal too. And the, the shape and build was more like a polar bear. Um, it was how polar bears compared to like, say a, a brown bear, they're longer and leaner. They have longer limbs, kind of more gangly than a, than a grizzly bear where they're more like a, a walking boulder kind of, so to speak. Yeah, just a giant this was tank. very, yeah, yeah. This was very, very lean, very long, um, as long as it was uh, impressively big. And it was, it was scary right off the bat. And this thing was watching the dogs run away. Uh, what it did next, you know, some people might find amusing. Some people might be like, why is he mentioning this? And I'm mentioning it because it was disturbing. What happened is the dog lifted its leg and it started doing its business. But what was different about this was, again, the size of the animal. And when it started doing its business, peeing, it let out a stream that was like somebody turned a hose on. It was hitting this material it was standing at on the top of this material. And like chunks of it were like getting thrown up in the air. And it was staring at these dogs doing that basically in my opinion you know marking its territory saying i just let you live don't come back here this is my place and my one buddy got real freaked out and he kind of took a couple steps back and tripped backwards and fell into this makeshift wall that we had made and it, it was the sound of heavy thick metal scraping on concrete which what is what it was on and it made a real loud, you know, scraping noise, very, you know, jarring. Immediately, this creature, this this animal snaps its head and, and gives us its full attention, which, you know, you felt like the blood leaving your face when it looked at you. What what stood out immediately first to, to all of us we when we'd all talked about it afterwards was its eyes. Um, its eyes seemed like they had a power source behind them. They were glowing so bright. They were like a, a, a yellowish kind of golden amber kind of color. And it wasn't like eye shine from a flashlight or for, you know, we thought maybe this eye shine at first we started talking about was from the fire. Uh, we had a big one going. Maybe the, the fire was, was, you know, hitting its eyes, but it was just so noticeably bright. It was like more than just that. And you could see like its pupils in, in the circle, different layers of circles in the eyes like everybody has. But you could see them in this, this, this bright color. And you could see where it was focusing its gaze. Its, its pupils and stuff were so big. So we knew if it was looking at each one of us, we could tell which one of our buddies it was looking at. And it was checking us out and it, it, it growled next. And it wasn't like a dog growling or anything. But if you've ever seen video of like what real big uh, alligators or crocodiles do when they're in the water, they kind of let that infrasound noise out and they kind of vibrate the water. And it makes a real deep kind of bone jarring kind of noise. It, it reminds me of what alligators do, but it was longer and more frequent. Uh and and what I always remember is when it did it, you actually felt it kind of hit you. You felt it in your chest. I started noticing immediately that my my legs, my my thighs, and into my calves and ankles got real weak for some reason. It felt real strange. Felt like I wanted to go down onto my knees. They were so weak. 
two of my buddies uh, said that they didn't feel well. They felt like they were going to be sick and pass out or throw up. My other buddy said he felt like me later when we talked about it, his legs, like they were in, in, in jello or like you were in a dream or something when a monster's in your dream and you're trying to run and you can't get away. But it was like it was really happening. And again, we have this, this non-belief factor going on that what we're looking at right now, again, is just so big. It's, it's fake. It looks like something out of a movie, but we're looking at real life. And, and again, it was, that was really jarring and horrifying. And then what still, what happened next is what changed everything in my life forever until the day I die. My friends agreed. Two of them are no longer with us, unfortunately. But we talked about this for years. Every time we saw each other, every time we talked about it, we would bring this this event up. And it was always the same. It, it never changed. And what happened next was this dog did, did something so alien. It, our paradigm shifted. And it stood up on two legs. And it wasn't like a, a dog getting up on two legs, like when you're about to give it a treat, you're kind of making it work for its its little treat there. And it's, you know, it, it looks like it's not used to getting up on two legs and it's shaky and then eventually falls down. This thing was like a person going from all fours up to two legs. They were shaped like, like dog's legs, but they were just massive. I remember it had a massive, uh, massive quads in both legs, obviously, and you could see the muscle like separating down the middle, kind of diagonally, and um, it, even its the bones in its legs were just very thick, and it, and again, it was so so large and, and so big that when it went from four to two legs, it was just like. You know how some animals will make animals will make themselves look bigger by going up on two legs, or when a bear goes up on two legs, it, it's it was that sense of the animal getting much bigger than it already was. But this was again like we can't be seeing what we're seeing. This has got to be a dream. This has got to be fake. It, we're going to, you know, I'm going to wake up any second from this. And then, you know, we'll, we'll realize that it, it's real. It's really happening. This thing is standing there in front of you and the, something that shouldn't exist, something that you've only thought is on TV, movies, or in, in books or anything. And we're sitting there for all intents and purposes, looking at a, a werewolf standing up in front of us. And my one buddy had had enough. He was the one who fell back into the wall. He had turned around and ran inside and we kind of all followed suit. And, um, inside also giving you a little more of an explanation of what it was like in the building on the outside of the room next to the wall, like kind of hugging the wall as you went up or a flight of stairs that went up to each floor. So again, there were four of them. Some of the stairs, you know, it was dilapidated. So some, like, uh, from going up from the first floor to the second floor, there was, like, four missing stairs. All that was there was, like, pieces of rebar that were in the concrete that used to be there. So we would have to run up, jump over that, that little space, and run up to the next flight, or the next flight stairs up to the third floor we ended up. 
and they had like these big um at the corner of each room these giant pillars of concrete that went from the first floor to the fourth floor and I'll, I'll bring those up again later when I discuss how big I think this thing was. Um, so we start running. We get up to the fourth floor or the third floor, I'm sorry. And a couple minutes had gone by since we came in. Um, my one friend's totally panicking. He's, he's screaming. He's crying. Um, my Another friend is white as a ghost. And, and uh, you know, we're thinking, well, what are we going to do? Be quiet. We're trying to tell my one friend, you got to shut up. It didn't come in, but if you're loud, it's going to hear us. It's going to come in, and he just wouldn't calm down. I remember we all kind of start yelling at him quietly and grabbing him. And I remember grabbing him. I was behind him, and I grabbed my hand. I was so upset at him for, for being so loud and not calming down. And I grabbed him real forcefully. I'm a big guy, and I was a big kid, and kind of wrapped my hand around his mouth. And I didn't realize I grabbed him so hard, his feet were dangling. And I was kind of holding him. He couldn't breathe. And he's kind of fighting for air. But, you know, we told him, are you going to shut up? Are you going to be quiet? Otherwise, we're not going to stop. And he, you know, gave us the nod and, and we let him go. And he, he was like fighting for air. But we made him clear, you shut up, be quiet. Just at that moment, I hear and my other friends hear the very loud and obvious noise of uh, like, like, animal nails or claws on concrete and, and a thump. And you felt the thump kind of in the floor of the building. And I knew, we all knew exactly what that meant. This thing had, had crawled up or jumped up on the outside of the building. It was now coming in. And we were on the third floor looking down. And like I said, the middle of the room was open. So you could, from the third floor, look up to the fourth floor or down to the second and first. And when you get to the middle of the room, there was kind of like a, a half wall. It was made of concrete. So we were standing there looking straight down at the first floor. And, um, you know, like I had said before, we had a fire going. And, and the first thing that, that comes into the room was the shadow of this thing hitting the far wall. And, you know, shadows make everything, everybody, even small people, look bigger. So when it's something as massive as that, I was trying to give you an idea as this animal was, you can imagine how big it was reflected on the wall, which made it even more ominous to us and scared me really bad. And then this thing, you know, eventually trails its shadow when it comes into view and it walks into the room. And we were maybe, even though we were above it, we were maybe only at the most 10, 15 feet from it. So we were extremely close. We could see it clear as day as if a person had walked in the room and immediately it was, it was jet black, super dark or just very dark Brown. I think it was black. It was, just, it was so black. It was almost like it sucked the light out of the room when it came in. It just was so, it was like a bright black when it walked in. So you could see it immediately. Um, it didn't have overly long hair, um, maybe an inch, an inch and a half at the most, I would say its hair was. It, it, it was not like, you know, it didn't look unkempt or anything. Um, it, it looked like it was just a, a, a streamlined animal. And again, the, the, the mass of it, the length when it came in and it was walking in real slow and you could see all the muscles 
on its back. It was on all fours. You could see each leg moving. Um, I, I always compare this thing to like a jaguar, how jaguars or, or black panthers, when they're coming out of trees or going in the trees, they, they move very fluid. Like it's just second nature to them. And they, they move like they're made of, you know, liquid metal or something. And, and they just move incredible. And, and that's how this thing moved at that big of a size. It, it was, it was thoughtless when it moved. It just was, was almost, you know, pretty the way it moved. It was scary. Also, again, that's something so big was moving like that, that it just looked like it could, it could run a hundred miles per hour and just slither into a room. Almost. It was so fluid. And, um, I didn't really get a good look at the, the claws on its hands or feet or whatever, but you can hear them on the concrete. So I got the impression they were, they were long and, and, and thick and they were making obvious noises on the, the floor. And uh, it had a long tail. I don't know to this day. I've always said the same thing. I don't know. I, I think it had a white stripe going down its back, just below its neck, all the way down to its tail. Or if it was just a little lighter there, or that's just the way that the light from the fire hit it. I don't know. It seemed like it was whitish, but everything else was black. Um, it had these tufts of hair that came off the side of its neck a little thicker hair it kind of was like in the shape of a spade as it got farther out on the neck away from the body it kind of got shorter and shorter and came into like a point i always remember that that stuck out to me these thick kind of tufts of hair even though they were shorter and it had you know the like uh, wolf or, or german shepherd ears that they were real cupped when it came in and you could tell it was using its ears, wherever it was listening, its ears were kind of pointing too. And, um, this thing sniffed the air and it looked immediately like in a split second, it looked right at us. As soon as it hit us, it sent, it knew where we were. It looked right at us, um, on the third floor, looking up at us. I don't know if when it was outside on that, that big mound of stuff, it very easily could have saw us running up the stairs as well from outside at the, at the spot it was standing. I'm sure you could see right in, but regardless, it knew where we were. It gave us the sense it was sniffing the air. It was also doing something I forgot to mention that was important when it came in that stood out is it was drooling, but it wasn't drooling. It was like pouring just drops of giant like saliva it sounded like it was raining on concrete big big you know long lines of of tons of saliva dripping from its mouth that again was audible and the thing that scared me and what i started getting more nervous about at that point was was you know if an animal or even a person starts to salivate you know they see a steak or something or they get hungry or they think I'm about to eat and throw down. That's why you start to get salivation, especially with animals. And it scared me internally so bad that it was uh, salivating so much and its teeth were bare and every once in a while it would stop and it would lick it, you know, its mouth as it was, you know, drooling. But that, that made me think this thing is looking for us for, for ominous reasons and it's, it's going to kill us. 
And I started having thoughts of, of this thing killing us. What are we going to do? We don't have anywhere else to go. Um, just to explain, yeah, the stairs uh, that we used to get up to that third floor, that was the only way out from the point we were at. There were stairs on a fire escape on the outside of the building that we could get to, but the only problem was this. You could get from the second or third floor up to the fourth from outside, but the 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 half of the second floor and the rest of the first floor and, and down to ground floor had broken away of years of neglect and just, you know, the building falling apart and rusting away. And you could see the rest of the stairs in a big bent up metal heap at, on the ground, you know, pretty far down from, from where you could get outside to it. So there was no way down from outside. So we were literally stuck. We could go up to the fourth floor out on the roof, but then that's, More that's where we are. <laughs> right. And uh, so this thing, um, again, sees us and it growls. We, none of us got like the feeling that we had before. Um, and if it was using infrasound, like, you know, other big game, uh, big predators use like tigers and stuff to kind of disorient their, their prey. I think that it's what, what it, what it did earlier. I think maybe the concrete half wall in front of us maybe helped something not happen again. It was loud, like before kind of felt it in your chest, but we didn't get sick. And, um, it showed its size big there had, had very, Again, uh, dog-like legs. Its upper body was the most man-like I could compare it to. It had giant uh, lats. You know, its neck looked like it was it was just massive. So, so it was it was massive. Like, how tall do you, do you estimate? So, you know, going back after this event, we didn't go back for years. You know, we were, we were 14 years old. We didn't go back till we were like 22, but we did go back and this building was still standing. Somebody had taken down those makeshift walls we had made. But again, looking at it, we got older. We were able to gauge more when it stood up on two legs. And, and when it did it, it was very natural. It was as comfortable as. Uh, on two as it was uh, on four. I remember seeing this one uh, story that's on Discovery Plus. It's about like things in the woods and I forget the actual title, but they tell stories that people uh, give of events that they have experiences. And there was a couple that had went to camp somewhere in a swamp area and hit something with the trailer. The guy stops in the middle of the swamp to look at his trailer Long story short, he has an experience where he sees three dogmen, one at first and then realize he's surrounded. He mentioned during his experience that when the thing stood up, he heard cracking and popping and it seemed unnatural for it and it seemed like it, it didn't like doing it. This isn't what the experience we had. The experience we had was this thing looked as comfortable on four legs as it was on two and it transitioned in between very easily and again fluidly so it looked as, as happy either way and in in this room like i said before they had these four big um giant uh concrete pillars that were in the corner of each room and when it stood up it was wider than these pillars 
which, um, I mean, they were probably at least four feet wide. And the ceiling on each floor where there was ceiling, I would, I would have to gauge it at maybe 15 to 18 feet anywhere in between there. And when it stood up at the tip of its highest point with its, its ears, the high ears on its head, it had to be anywhere from nine to 10 feet in height at least. So when it stood up again, it was, you know, already scarily massive on all fours. Um, another thing that stood out real quick about it when it came in on all fours, you could see it's, it's, it's back muscle, it's back scapula, kind of its discs and it's back like a big cat when they walk, you know, the shoulder blades pop up and you see them pop up and side by side. But this one stood out on this thing because it's, it's shoulder blades were covered by this, this massive thick muscle and, and every step it took, it just gave you a sense of that. This thing was made as a predator. Everything it could do is all predator, like apex predator. And this thing could kill us in a heartbeat. And it looked at us on all fours and growled at us and looked over at the stairs and started to head over there on all fours. And, and of course, we start to panic. I got this, you know, horrible fear and anxiety of, what are we going to do? We can't go down the stairs. We can't get out from the outside. What are we going to do? It ends up coming up to that space where there's the four missing uh, stairs and it just hops over them like it's an inch long, like it wasn't even there. And it's coming up to the second floor. And once it heads up the se- from the second floor to the third floor, it will, once it makes it up to the third floor, be right where we are, where we're standing. So it's about to come face first in front of us, and we don't know what we're going to do. My one friend has completely lost it. He's screaming. He's running in circles. He starts to run outside to the fire escape. Another buddy is following him. And me and another friend, I was froze. I didn't know what to do. This thing's starting to head up. Um the second floor up to the third floor and it's about to be up with us. And I'm thinking I'm about to die. I, I have, I have tears rolling down my face. And I, I think I'm never going to see my family again. This is going to, this thing's going to kill us. It's going to kill all four of us. We had no chance against this thing. It's, we're going to watch us each be murdered and mauled. And I didn't know what to do. And right at that moment, as it's heading up that, that flight of stairs, um, we hear a noise and I will always believe this to the day that I die, that there was divine intervention somehow, uh, a relative of one of us that had passed away, helped this moment come to pass God or any, someone did something. And we hear the train on that train track that, that comes in front of this building just at that moment. And when it gets in front of our building, it lights its horn up, which means they see the fire that we have in there. They see the light. And it, like I said, we built a really big one that day. So they had to see it because they never blow the horn going by the building during the day. So they saw it. And we start screaming help, screaming, begging for someone to help us. Um, we hear, you know, it's making its loud clanks on the, on the tracks when, when Axel hits track and everything, we thought maybe it was slowing down. This thing did not like it when it lit that horn. And when it did, it turned around and looked at the opening of the room, 
literally within a second to two seconds, it was down the flights of stairs and out the building. Like again, it was made of like of, of grease lightning. It just was out in a heartbeat and we're screaming and panicking and crying and begging for somebody to help us. And the train starts to get farther and farther. And then finally we can't hear anymore. And then where we had got that kind of sense of, somebody's going to help us to now it's gone. This thing's coming back for us. So every noise we could hear, we thought it was the sound of this thing climbing up outside. Cause we have this giant fire going, you're hearing cracking and popping and it's every little noise. We feel like it's signaling this thing to come back in there. And, and thankfully it doesn't come back in. And we're panicking and, and we're trying to decide what to do. And, and we remember we have, we have weapons on us at that point. But I'm going to say this. I'll always believe this. And my other friends believe it too. You know, we only, we had three guns on us, but there was a 22 little pistol automatic, a 25 little automatic, <laughs> which was the crappiest gun that made its hands through all of our hands through the years. Its firing pin would pop out every couple of shots. It was a pathetic excuse for a gun. And then I had my dad's 38, which I would steal from their closet. He thought he was, he was slick hiding in an old cowboy boot, but He'd be at work and I'd take it, you know, we'd go down there just so we had protection. It was a 38. And, um, I don't think any of the weapons we had looking back at the mass of this animal, it would have done anything to it other than make it angry. And it would have for sure, if we would have shot at it, if we could have even hit it, we were so scared and we didn't even remember we had them. That's how scared we were. If we did, it would have for sure, I think, killed us. And um, we make our way from the third floor down to the second floor, and, and we're going really slow. My one one friend has checked out. He has completely fell into shock. He's, he's mumbling. He's horrified, crying. My other friend's freaking out. I was freaking out, too. But my one buddy was really bad. He was He was in bad shape. And... Um, we were on maybe the second floor for maybe 25 minutes before we made it down to the first floor where we waited maybe an hour. And finally we start to get the sense of we're going to have to go out there. You know, it was already nighttime. It was maybe nine or after nine when this event occurred. So we're to, we're after 10 o'clock here easy. It's 1030 probably. And we're like, we have to get out of here. It's definitely going to come back. But we're worried, is it just outside the building? Is it outside the building on that mound again? There was a little space underneath where we would climb up on to get into the building that went underneath and kind of back into the building. So it could be down there for all we knew, waiting for us as we dropped down and attack us and, and grab us. And finally, we just decided we have to go. We have no choice. We got our guns out and we had the old, you know, style, like, flashlights with the C batteries that wasn't very bright. So we barely had any light. And uh, my one friend who kind of checked out is freaking out. Now he refuses to leave the building. He please don't leave him. It's going to kill us. Please God, please help us. And I finally grab him and I scream at him and I say, listen, you've got to come with us now. 
this thing is going to come back. If you don't come with us, we're going to effing leave you here. So you decide if you want to be by yourself in this building or you want to come with us, but we're leaving and you can come with us or you can stay. And he begrudgingly came and he had one hand on my shirt. My buddy was standing next to me. He had his hand on the back of his shirt and he was holding on to us with their life. He, like I said, he was gone and he just wanted out of there and we did too. And it took like a half an hour to get back to our buddy's house from there. So we had a long walk back and every noise we heard, every time we'd kick a, a, a piece of gravel or something or, uh, you know, we think signed this thing coming back and, and, you know, there were kind of roads that they had down there. They were dirt roads, but then we got to the point where we had to kind of go down on all fours ourselves and climb up. There was like kind of like a big kind of mountain mill, um, of a hill of like gravel and old material. And you'd have to be on all fours because you couldn't get back up on two. And you would start to slide down every once in a while, which was a nightmare in, in itself. Because as we're doing this to try to get out, we're trying to get out as fast as we can. And whenever one of us would lose our footing and start sliding down, you get that fear of it's going to be waiting for me. It's right there behind me. It's going to get me. And so it happened a number of times to each one of us. And we start to go down and start screaming, oh, my God, oh, my God, is it there? Is it there? And we finally got up to the top of this hill. We hear that that pack of dogs again, and we start to really freak out. We start to run because we thought this is signaling, signaling maybe this thing is back again. We didn't see the dogs again. They never came close to us again. We never saw it again. We finally made it back to my buddy's house, and and uh, his parents and sister weren't there. We just kind of all went up there. I remember I was super thirsty. He had like a garden hose next to the porch and I just turned it on. I had it on forever. I was like drinking and pouring it over my head and they all followed suit and we just sat there and we didn't talk for like 45 minutes. My one friend who had really lost, he didn't talk for days. He actually had to go get some help mentally after the experience. Um, we did tell each of our parents, but we had agreed with each other that whenever we would tell our parents, we'd want all of us there together. So we always had each other's support. It was never just one of us saying, mom, dad, listen, this happened to me. When you know what the majority of the responses are going to be, you're crazy. Yeah, right. Whatever. You saw something else. Um, my mom and dad, um, my mom didn't know what to believe. My dad thought we saw a black bear down there. And I told him, dad, there's no way we didn't see a black bear. We all told the same story. Um, the only, the only parent who, who gave us the impression that he believed us and that he knew what we were talking about was my one best friend's father. I'm not going to say exactly what he did. Um, cause he's not here to tell me it's okay for me to do it, but. Um, his dad held a high position in the city and you could probably figure out what it was. He was in charge of mostly everything that went on. And when we told him we were down there, he went off on us right away saying we shouldn't be down there. It's dangerous. There'd been a couple of homeless people who they put in the news, at least that those pack of dogs mauled them and killed them. Two of them got killed the same summer. Makes us wonder if it wasn't these dogs and it was that thing we saw. 
And, um, you know, he gave us the impression that he knew what we were talking about, that he knew what it was. Um, he told my, he didn't really say it without really right out, but he, he gave us that impression. He wasn't surprised. He believed us. He, he didn't say to us verbatim, but to my buddy who he was his dad later that week told him, you know, basically without saying it, that he knew what we were talking about, that his officers had told him about it and they had reports about it. And then he knew about it. So, you know, he gave us the rigmarole. You guys ever go down there again? I'll, I'll make sure you're arrested myself and you guys will never go down anywhere ever again. So he was scared that we had been down there. And when he heard our experience, I think that's why he got so angry because he knew about it beforehand. And he wasn't surprised when he heard us tell us, tell him what it was and how None of us said anything different, or maybe it was this, and that we were so, so sure, and he believed us. And years later, my dad, I talked to him again about it, and he believed me, but, you know, it was not till I got older. Um, but it was, it was something that, that changed my life forever, and I will, I will remember it to the day I die. It's burning, etched in my brain. And, you know, there were little other things that occurred looking back, you remember more, or one of the other guys says he noticed something maybe a little different in variation than what I saw, of course. And I always remember when it was walking into the building, um, it, 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 it's front left, like leg paw. And it had hands that reminded me kind of similar to raccoons, but real big and long. Its hands went down past its knees, super long arms. But when it, it was down on all four and its front left leg or paw, whatever you want to call it, hit the ground, I'll always remember this. And I don't know if it was a reflection on the fur, if it was wet, if it was cloaking or doing something else. I'll always remember its, its paw hit the ground and these wisps of like the flame from the fire like if you've ever seen video of what the sun looks like, how the surface of the sun, you'll see storms on it, like kind of cyclones of, of, of the sun coming off of it. There were these real mini little ones that came off the fire when its foot hit the floor. And it almost seemed like you could see through its leg, like it was translucent and you could see only the fire and not the leg anymore. Just for like a, a second, second and a half. And you saw those wisps when its foot hit the floor, and then it was it, it was its leg was normal again. So it was almost like it was cloaking. Like I said, I believe this thing was supernatural and is supernatural. Uh, as the years have gone by, I obviously got very anal about the subject and wanted to learn everything I could about it and and find out as much. And I've heard so many stories and and, and stuff over the years and. Some people, a lot of people think that they're supernatural. There's a gentleman who lives in, uh, out of Bray Road in Wisconsin and he has a farm and he's been on shows and stuff. The people have gone out to his farm and he's got like pictures of this thing and, and kind of like the mist coming up and he put out deer as bait for this thing and this mist in the trail cam photos would show this big thick mist in the daytime. It would go over where the deer was. You wouldn't see the deer. And then when the mist was dissipated, the deer's gone. 
and he saw he said he saw the actual gray road beast um two different nights he saw its red eyes from a distance and the closer he got he saw the actual animal and how it running and how fast it was and he mentioned about how it ran and real fluid and fast and that reminded me of how this thing moved and ran out of the building when the train came by and um it was it was insane and it, it really happened you know there's people out there that no matter what you tell them everyone will, will believe what they're going to believe. And if somebody wants to believe it or not, it's up to them. I know what happened and my other friends knew what happened. And for years, all we talked about was the same experience. We all saw the same exact thing. And we saw, they're called, you know, the dogmen now. But, I mean, it was a werewolf. Um, it was just the most massive creature I've ever seen in my life. The most intimidating predator I, i've ever seen and i thought that we were all going to to meet our maker that day and die and, and i thank god we didn't i think we came really close and um you know it was a crazy experience yeah, i mean that's to say the least <clears throat> i mean it's definitely more than just a crazy experience it's, it sounds horrifying to be even just listening to it we've heard alone experience stories so many times let me ask you a question though matt and and yours is no uh, less scary. I mean, every time I hear somebody's encounter I, I, and these guys sitting here with me, they've heard it all. I mean, but it's, it never ceases to amaze me. I have a couple questions for you, Matt, unless you wanted to continue. Do you have any, anything else oh, to add? Oh, no, sure. Go ahead. Yeah. So, oh man, there's so much, so much to take in. All right. So first of all, I had an encounter when I was 15 and I, and I like to compare, like to see like what I saw because it just, just, just to kind of get a comparison, like the upper body of the one that I saw was probably three, maybe four feet wide. I mean, it was massive, huge upper body. Um, would you say yours when it stood up that way, like that this thing that you saw with your friends, was it that big? Yeah. And like I told you before, we had these massive, uh, pillars in the corner of each room and, and they were maybe four feet wide. So when this thing stood up at its 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 you know biggest height and it's it, like I said it had a man shaped upper body but it was so massive and so well defined it, it was just gigantic and it was every bit as wide as these concrete pillars or maybe even wider so this was this creature was insanely wide minimum four feet I would say because like I said with that pillar right behind it. It wasn't like the pillar was peeking out from the sides. You didn't see the pillar, and it, it was huge. It was it was scary. Do, do you think that? Do you think that maybe, like it? You know how, like you said earlier, how bears will stand up to look bigger. Do you think that right. maybe it was making itself as huge as possible, or do you think it just looks like that, like naturally, like it didn't really care to even try to? make itself more no, imposing. I, I, I don't think it was, it, it was, it, it very possibly could have, I could be 100% wrong. I just got the impression because it was so much bigger than all four of us. That were, didn't really care. It didn't need to, right? It, it, it just was it. When it stood up, that was just it. It wasn't puffing itself up. It was just, like I said, so big and so massive that it looked fake. 
but it wasn't. It was real. And it was just, it was just, you couldn't wrap your head around this, this mass. And, and like, like I said, you know, that, that impression of physicality just by how it looked and how it was built. And, and it just looked like one swat, you know, you hear stories of a grizzly bear can kill an elk or something with one swat or a human being. This thing could easily kill a, a full size big man with no problem. Um, we would never have a chance. The only thing that could that could have a chance to get this thing is because you know we would have you know firearms or something to protect ourselves. But the ones we had wouldn't have done a thing. In the show you were talking about, I think are you talking about these woods are haunted? Yes. Yeah, I was on that show. <laughs> it's like, oh, oh but, were you? yeah, but 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 it wasn't about my dogman experience because oddly enough, uh, Michael, the guy that's uh, that runs that, him and Roger, they they didn't. Uh, uh, I didn't have a dogman story for him, but I gave him some witnesses, and it's crazy because, um, yeah, the. the <laughs> I, I was on the third season, I believe, the yeah. first set of the first episode of the third season. Yeah, mm -hmm. and and the, it, I, Michael was like, you know, I, I told him, you know, that I had an experience, but it wasn't, you know, in the woods. My dog man Cannon was in town, but I had a crazy story that I that I did that happened to me and some friends, not friends, work. Uh, I guess well, friends, but also workers, and a guy that's one of my best friends, and he worked for me at the time, and it was in a church out in the middle of nowhere, but it's, it's the church of the forgotten. That's the episode that that's what it's called on my podcast. But, uh, yeah, I was on that show and I, I know some of the people who've been on that show. That, that's a crazy experience. And, you know, awesome. I can tell you right now, like yours wasn't in the woods, but definitely, uh, is show worthy. I could tell you this, I've, I've interviewed hundreds. I mean, I can tell you right now, hundreds of people who've given me stories, um, and if you got into like how many people have sent me stories, probably at least a thousand. I mean, we, we had so many and we, we sat there one day just pouring through them, you know, we we're just sitting there talking and we started going through story after story after story. I think you actually like filled up your inbox. Like, I didn't even know you could do that, but yeah. you entirely filled it up. Yeah. But well, it wasn't just the story. Yeah, though. obviously. It was, but, but Anthony was like, dude, you need to clean this out. And I was like, what are you talking about? He goes, dude, you, you can't have 41,000 emails. <laughs> it, was like, it wasn't all stories. It wasn't all dog man either. It was like probably a third of that was just like stories and stuff that people had sent me regarding the show or asking wow. questions because like not all of them were stories. And then again, you know, of that, probably only a third of them would be show worthy. So, you know, but you're still looking at a pretty heavy number of, of, of never run out of material because every time right. I do a show – Every time, I, I don't think it's it, in the last two years we've ever done a show where we didn't pull two or three stories from it. No. And then, like, yeah, it's just, it's almost immediately that as soon as we do a topic, we immediately get stories about that. It's pretty, yeah. it's pretty wild. That's uh, awesome. I was going to ask you, I remember when you said that you heard the first roar, uh, it didn't really give you that fear effect uh, that kind of heard it on the second time and you maybe thought that it was because you were kind of hidden away the sound pain or i mean the the metal makeshift wall that you guys made might have uh kept you from feeling that I, well I mean, the, the second time i think it was that the we were remember on the third floor we had a half wall of concrete in front of us and i i, I do think maybe it blocked that 
Oh, I was going to ask. I mean, really, obviously, we're not going to know for sure, but I was really just going to ask for your opinion. Do you think, now, this is going to sound a little wacky, but do you think that maybe you could you could feel it's like bloodlust? Like, you, it wasn't directed at you the first time, so that's why you didn't really even feel anything. But once it, like, honed in on you and sense, you could just feel that, like, killer instinct just hit you, and that's what that fear comes from? Yeah, I, I do. Um, and, and you saying that to me right now, actually, like he puts it through me, like the hairs on my neck are standing up and I get that, that, like that empty anxiety kind of like fear in your chest you get during moments of high stress and stuff. Oh, I didn't mean I to do that. I was that. No, no, that's okay. It, it, no matter when I think of that event and how close we came and the way it looked at us, it looked like it had disdain for us. Like it, it was just evil and it was, it was going to do, do bad. And it was, I thought I was going to die. They told me the same thing. They thought they were going to die. And it, it relayed that to us and it, it looked like it wanted to hurt us badly. And that I, and I thought we were going to be eaten. And then I, you know, like I said, it was salivating so much. And, you know, when it looked at us, its eyes, its ears, everything, like even its nose kind of like everything moved kind of like in a way at us when it looked at us. So every, you know, part of its being like pointed at us and said, I see you and I'm, I'm going to get you. And that's just the impression I got from it. It was very, it, it was palpable. It was palpable. It was, it was a, a, a fear moment that I don't think I'll ever have again, you know, ever again until I die. Another thing I was going to ask you, one of the things you talked about, you talked about the popping and cracking noise, and I've gotten that a lot. And some people, there's, you know, to me, there's two different things going on there. One is some people have claimed, in particular, people who claim that these things are shapeshifters, that there's a cracking, popping noise that they're getting when it's standing up. And there's like three pops, like the joints or something are popping. Right. But here, here's one thing that I, I don't, it didn't happen. Like I didn't hear that. It was like what you said about how fluid it moved and how it was just like right. the one that I saw just moved real quick and just real, like it did not, I didn't hear any popping, cracking noise. Like it was having to struggle at all. It just, it was very comfortable in the way it moved. And it was unnerving and how fast and quick it was because fast and quick That's aren't great. always the same thing. This thing moved fast and it moved quick. Um, and I can tell you this. Now, there is a precedent for this. And this I'm, is this something I'm actually going to talk about in my book. And, and, and I'm, you know, the popping and cracking noise in the paranormal. Okay. Now, a lot of times people, they think paranormal is like ghosts. But I'm using it in the sense of like just weird stuff. Not normal. Like, yeah, out of the, the realm of normality. P people will hear this popping, cracking noise um, d during all kinds of scenarios. Like like this one lady told us a story. She was living literally in Manhattan, New York. And these alien type creatures, they were really small, diminutive looking grays. But she said that there was like a pop, pop, pop. And they all just popped up in her like bedroom. She was living in like a high-rise apartment, and she had gone through a series of abductions that began when she was living in Maine, and then it, they just appeared in her bedroom. And she's like, I was living in Manhattan for a year and a half. She's like, I thought I could make it in the Big Apple, and it was a big bust. But she was telling me that you know, they appeared there to try to take her, and she was terrified because they wanted to take her through the wall. 
And she, they told her basically like, well, as long as you hold us, we can take you through the wall. And then she was unconscious. She woke up. She was aboard a craft. Now, what's crazy is like she, hear, she heard that popping noise. Now, I'll take you to another scenario where I actually went to an investigation of a haunted area. And I heard the popping noise myself. And it was like a bam, bam, bam. And it was just pop, pop, pop. And then – Oh, my. Then I see this bottle like kind of fall over and everybody's just kind of, whoa, you know, and we're like in this, what's basically an abandoned building. And it was a security account that I was working at years ago. Um, and, and I was trying to, t I was trying to show some people, nothing else happened though. It was an, it was not an abandoned building. I'm wrong. It was a, uh, a garage from, uh, a place that they were building an apartment complex, uh, down South Austin. I'm sorry, it was bad. I didn't say it was bad, but I took some friends there. And I said, dude, me and my friend Bones had actually taken some pictures of the darkness. And they came out with like brown and weird like streaks and stuff. And it looked like one of them had an eye in it. And so we had some really wacky photos from that. But I ended up losing it to my SBC Global, whatever that old email was, whatever. I, I unfortunately stuck it in there and forgot about it. And years later, I didn't have it. But man, I can tell you, I had I had a, some weird pictures but that popping noise came up. And so I did some research on that and I talked to some uh, ghost hunters and they were like, yeah, this happens. Like that, that is actually a thing that happens like a popping. Now here in the studio, me and Anthony, we heard this crackling popping noise. Oh yeah. We heard, we heard it like right there in the next room. We're in the, like the recording uh, room and, but right next door to where we're at is a room where, where we store merchandise and other things. And, we heard what sounded like an electrical popping, but it wasn't an electrical phenomenon or anything. I mean, I don't know what it was. It sounded like uh, like if someone finished a bag of chips and they just crumpled it up, it was a combination of like popping and like crackling. It was weird. Yeah. That's strange. You guys think you brought something back with you? <laughs> Who knows? I mean, you know, I did this story called The Brazilian Exorcist and I had my friend Rodrigo actually... Um, hadn't known him that long, um, but I, I got to know him and I just hit him up and I said, Hey dude, would you be willing to, to, um, I haven't known him like years. Like I've known some of the other coaches. He's a jujitsu guy. And I told him, I said, would you be willing to translate for me? And he said, sure. And so we started talking shop or whatever. And, and I've always been a big MMA guy and I've always been into the sport and, and boxing and things like that. And so we started talking, and so I, I asked him to do some translations for me. So he did, and then I started hearing like weird like sounds coming from the, the the place next door to my studio, and those ladies started having a bunch of problems, and their business went down, and then they moved out. And when they weren't even there, I was still hearing like this weird like uh, popping noises and stuff coming from the other side, and we would hear like a crunching noise, and then we would hear people talking. When there was nobody there, and there weren't homeless people in there either, there was nobody. I, I went and I looked, and there was nobody in there. And uh, I told I told the the landlords about it, you know, and they were just like, "Okay, we'll check it out." And they they didn't find any signs of habitation, um, but it was like people would argue, but you couldn't understand what they were saying, and the language was weird, and it wasn't Portuguese. Uh, I figured that out, and it wasn't Vietnamese because Tony speaks Vietnamese, and it wasn't Spanish because I understand that I speak that, and I was like, "What the heck is this? This is crazy." So we, wow. we couldn't figure out what language it was. I had one of my friends who speaks Russian and Ukrainian. He couldn't figure it out. We had a small little snippet of it, and nobody could understand what it was. I even had one of my friends who speaks Klingon. 
And I was just like, I was grasping at straws trying to figure out what it was. And I'm pretty linguistically inclined and it was really bizarre. And so I don't know what that popping is. So, you know, when I, when I talk about it, I tell people like, okay, yeah, that may be the joints popping or whatever, but it could also be something paranormal that's happening. Like it, but it's already paranormal that they exist, but it could be something, you know, otherworldly that's happening. And then the green and then the mist you know, that comes off of their feet or whatever that is. That's that's such a weird thing. I mean, I, I, dude, I could go on about that. So anyway, that's all for tonight with Matt. Uh, join us next week, and, and I'm going to talk about Dogman and give some uh, encounters, and I'm going to get Matt's opinion. He's going to hang around with us first. So we'll see you next week uh, back with Matt. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Then good night. 